Welcome everybody to today's show. Oh, this is going to be so good. And I have had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Eva Selhub and we have had some conversations that we're going to dive deep into today and she is somebody that you might have seen when she's teaching at Harvard Medical School or you may know her from any of her five books you know that that is like so impressive after i've been sharing some of my book journey and on top of all of that she's also a top speaker she's an author she's an executive leadership coach and a consultant in the field of wellness and resilience and so she can actually help cure ready for this burnout hands up everybody if you are experiencing some form of burnout, I know my hand is way high. So today we're gonna to be talking a lot about that, a lot about resilience, a lot about all these amazing topics. You're listening to The Relaunch Podcast and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Welcome, Dr. Eva is in the house. I love in the it. House. Thank you so, so much. What a great introduction. Well, it's so good to have you here. And I absolutely loved our, I, I love the pre-calls too, because I get to, I get to really find out, you know, the ins and outs of what you're working on and, and try to like pare it down because you've got so much going on. But what I'd love to talk about is I always like to open it up with, can you share your, your biggest relaunch so far to date and how that's impacted you? Geez, I've had so many relaunches. I think that's one of the things we talked about that, um, I mean, I started out in medicine and here I am coaching in, um, leaders and uh, executives, um, creating a bigger change in the world, if you will, if that's what I want to do is influence the influencers. And um, the, I would say the biggest shift that I had was quite a long time ago, which was when I decided to branch out of medicine, if you will. And that was sort of, a situation that brought me to my knees. I was very headstrong, thought I knew what I wanted to do in my life. I was going to work in ICUs. I was going to save lives. And in at that time in 1996, there was another virus that was spreading around and it was called HIV. And mm -hmm. I had been doing a procedure in the hospital and I was stuck with an HIV needle and I just thought my life was over. And I cried a lot. I had terrible coping skills. The only thing that kept me together was the love and support that I got from my friends and family and colleagues, but otherwise I was just devastated and had to go on. Okay. You just, okay. You, you said this so quickly. I just want to make sure people heard this, that you were in the ICU and you got stuck with a needle yes. that, that had been previously in a patient with HIV. That's correct. <gasps> At a time in 1996 <laughs> where, where we had no <sighs> solutions. Right. With no solutions. I was 28 mm. years old, single, oh my. Mass massively in debt and medical school loans. And I was one of the first people to go on this trial of medications to prevent conversion to HIV. So it was 14 pills a day for six weeks. So a healthy person who was made unhealthy. So the first time in my life, really understanding what it's like to be profoundly mm. And okay, so, so let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Sorry for interrupting here, but this is like, it, it actually hits home because my dad being an orthopedic surgeon was in the same situation doing surgery. And he backed into a nurse who was holding 
a needle and the guy on the table had hepatitis C. And so he ended up getting it. He actually did get it. You, how long did it take before you figured out that you were out of, you know, kind of that, that time period of like, oh my God, I no longer, I feel like today with COVID and everything, right. You're, you know, it's that five days or the 10 days. When was it that you're like, oh my God, you, you, you couldn't be absolutely positive for a year. So, but the thing is, is there's things that we know now that back then we didn't know. So Mm. this patient had full-blown AIDS and hepatitis C. The fact that I didn't get hepatitis C could have clued me in that I wasn't going to get HIV because the chances of getting hepatitis C are one out of four and getting HIV with gloves and that sort of thing is, was maybe one out of 500 or one out of a thousand. But we didn't even know about a hepatitis C back then. We didn't know mm-hmm. that, it, that that could be detrimental. I was just focusing on that, on the HIV. And so sure. we, we had to be on the medication for six weeks back then and then get retested in six weeks. So if I could pass that six week mark, I knew that it was sort of out of the woods. And then I, every two to three months, I had to be retested for a year. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> that is, that is the scariest thing. And I remember, um, you know, this was the time where we really didn't know what was going on. And do you remember when magic Johnson came yes. out and he said Absolutely. he, he tested positive for it. I worked at a restaurant in Los Angeles called Chin Chin. And it was kind of this like schwanky Chinese place, you know, kind of this, this, the celebrities went in and I was the hostess. And I remember Magic Johnson right after he had, he had been, you know, diagnosed with this and he had it, he came in and I remember how everybody was like, almost, you know, like he had the plague, right? Oh my God, can we get it? And he's standing right in front of me and the guy is massive. And I'm like, you know, looking at his belt buckle, I remember it was like, oh my gosh. And there is this, oh my God, what if, like, am I going to catch it? You know, is he going to breathe on me? And I remember just literally, I had nowhere to go. I had to stay right there because I was behind this little podium, but everybody else was just like stepping back. Did you find, or did you tell people, like, did you share this with anybody? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I had to, I told, you know, look, there's, there's so much wrapped into this. Right. So, Mm. I mean, really hit home on that, that moment. So let me just backtrack up until that moment. I was very headstrong. I took care of everything. If I had a problem, I solved it. So to me, you know, stress was manageable. I would figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And in that moment of realizing that I punctured my finger and there's blood coming out of my finger and I'm thinking, okay, the first thing I experienced wasn't fear. It was shame. It was shame that I had done something wrong, shame that I had brought this on to myself and shame of like having to tell people. Mm. And as my, as my, you know, fingers turning blue, as I'm running it out of the water and squeezing it to death, that's when the fear set in. That's when I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I can't fix this. I don't know what to do. I don't have the solutions. And this is, this is important for what I'm going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. This, this idea of, of fear versus manageability mm-hmm. versus I got this. And so for this kind of the first time, I really didn't got this. And so I called the chief resident who turned out to be also was one of my best friends. And I said, Eric, this is what happened. And he said, he didn't, he was quiet at first. That like, that's the sort of the death sentence, right? We just have the line goes quiet. We didn't really even have cell phones back then. You know, this is landline. (laughs) We didn't everyone. We really didn't. By the way, um, I mean, I actually had the bat phone at home. I had that red dial up phone. And and he just said, well, I'm not sure what to do. I'm going to call the attending, infectious disease attending and ask him what to do. You go home and I'll call emergency coverage. So I, you know, by the time I got home, it was probably three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, my phone rings, the infectious disease attending said, you know, I heard about the needle stick. This is a a pretty big exposure. We're going to put you on this cocktail of medication. The NIH just released this report and you're going to be on it. Like you're one of the first people is going to be on it. Great. And so, so he, again, he spewed all kinds of statistics. I heard none of it, you know, because obviously of the chances of me getting 
HIV were much less in getting hepatitis C. I heard none of it. All I heard was you're going to die. You're going to get HIV. You're going to be a pariah. No one's going to love you. You're single. I was, it just put me in absolute despair. You're never going to be able to pay off your loans because you're never going to work. Your parents co-signed and they're going to be in debt for the rest of their life. And what have you done? <laughs> you're spiraling. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah, I, you're like, I was like, I yeah. was just totally. And I, and the, you know, the beauty of the experience was that I had to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. My sister said to me when I sat my family down and told them what happened the next day, my sister said, I can't believe it's taken 28 years for you to learn how to ask for help in something this devastating. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I did, I had no choice. I was just distraught. Mm-hmm. I could not keep it to myself and everybody rallied the whole, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the whole medical staff rallied, my colleagues rallied, my friends mm-hmm. rallied. They didn't let me ever go to get testing or get results by myself. I was uh-huh. rarely left alone. And if I was, I would cry. Um, the medications made me quite sick. You know, I got profoundly anemic, uh-huh. fatigued, and I I just started doing my bargaining. You know, and I said, "All right, if there is a God, if you let me live, get this." I'm sure a lot of us perfectionists and caregivers can relate to this. I said, "If you let me live, I'll be a better person. <laughs> I'll be kinder. I'll be more compassionate." I will be more patient. I will work harder. Whatever you say, I'll do it. Just let me live. Okay. So the question is, you ended up not getting it. And at that point, did you start living your life as a better person? Well, I thought I did. Right. So I decided not to go do intensive care. I said, I'm going to go work with the people. And why am I trying to save lives in ICUs when I should be helping people out in the world? And I decided to go into primary care, which I knew nothing about. So I took it very seriously. I followed a midwife around all summer so I could learn more about, you know, pap smears and whatever, because I just hadn't been part of my training. About, about pap smears. Okay, was... about, like, about working through everyday life stuff. Not no, I know, but stuff. I'm laughing because of everything is like... And I learned how to do a pap smear. I'm telling you, you don't really, you don't learn that much. You know, my, look, my primary care clinic was at the VA. So I didn't actually, right. I didn't have that many, you know, women as my clinic. And, um, but I took a very, and so everyone out there knows for the men that are listening, right. we're not going to, we're not going to go into detail about that now. <laughs> That's so great. I learned, um, you know, I just, you know, again, I, and the midwife was wonderful because you know, she was just so real. And, and I thought, yes, I'm, I'm doing what I, you know, need to be doing. I'm being a better person, not like your typical doctor. And then my dog died. And then my grandfather died. And then somebody started harassing me that I had to take to court. And then my apartment burned down. I lost all my possessions and I had no renter's insurance. And then my father had a heart attack all within a five month period. Five months. Okay. So I just want to say, you know, I am, I am the, you know, queen coach of relaunches, right? And what you just named, you just rattled off, I think five or six of these, those are enough to cause like a massive, you know, amount of stress, one of them. And you just, you know, listed off, you know, like I said, five to six. So at that point, how did you, what was your coping mechanism? Because you hadn't, had you, had you written any books at this point Oh no! when no, all this, this happened? This is 1997. Okay. So I this is to, before everything. This is before everything. Right. This, I'm still, I was still, you know, a resident in medicine. I hadn't even got, started working yet as a primary care doctor. So that uh, song, you know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. I'm like, that's what it, was. it would get knocked down. I would think about it. I would say, okay, I'm going to relaunch and do it differently. I'm going to relaunch and do it differently. Okay. I got it this time. And I would try to find the silver lining and relaunch. Mm. And by November, it's so it's like in five months, June to November, after my father finally had, you know, had, he's fine, by the way, had his heart attack. I just burnt out. Mm. I had no energy. I had no desire to live. I was anhedonic, which means I couldn't get pleasure from anything around me. I, the only thing I might would focus on was trying to get soot off of any of the remaining items I still had. I couldn't even think 
clearly. I couldn't remember anything. I had to, you know, study for my boards and nothing. I was retaining nothing. I wasn't suicidal, mm. but I was close and that I just did not have the energy to live anymore. And I wouldn't have minded if a truck hit me. Ugh. I just didn't see the purpose. And I walked around just saying, why me? Why mm. me? What did I do wrong? I've done, you know, done everything that I needed to do. I've done everything I was told to do. I've been a good person. I don't understand. Why me? And then I, I bet I bet people are out there right now listening and saying, yeah, there's times that we all are like, why me? Why is all this, you know, why? stuff happening? Like, what it, what am I doing to cause all this? Right? Like, what's happening? What's so happening? that mm. went on for a good five another five months and five or six months. And then one day went out to dinner with a friend and all she said was, we miss you. You haven't been the same since the needle stick. And something awoke within me. I can't tell you what it was, but I thought to myself, I looked around and I saw that no one had abandoned me. And I was pretty miserable to be around. And I thought, oh, wow. I've been walking around feeling like a victim this whole time. I'm asking the wrong question. The question isn't why me, it's why not me? Nature just as soon lets a forest fire burn as a flower bloom and it's not personal, stuff happens. The question is, how do you respond? And why am I taking it so personally as if I'm somehow unworthy and punishable? And where does that come from? And if I have these feelings, then I'm not alone because you know I have a pretty good life which means how do other people feel? And I wanna learn more about this. I wanna learn more about myself, how to have more self-worth, how mm. to appreciate the love that's in my life. And I wanna learn about stress and alternative medicine. And that's what you, wait, but wait, what you said that I just, I have to go back to is you said, but no one had abandoned me, but yet we feel that way. That's and right. you were willing to be like, take a hard look and say, wait a second you know, my friends, my family, everyone's coming like back and saying, wait a second, we're here. Where have you been? Come yeah. back, come back, come back to us. Come back. That. Exactly. Mm. And that was it. So that was when I decided to start learning about mind body medicine. And that sort of started again, that trajectory, which again, there's been many shifts and changes and challenges that had led me finally to what I'm doing today, which is wanting to influence the influencers, but ultimately it was that experience that showed me the importance of love and support, self-love, self-compassion about, you know, introduced me into stress and stress physiology, the resilient mindset, the growth mindset, looking for opportunities for growth in every situation, no matter how dire. And, you know, to ultimately know that, you know, we live for love. Mm, so before we go into that, I do want to say, you said, you finally got to the point where you said, not why me? but why not me? And so as we take a very quick break, I want you all to be thinking about that. Are you in that victim mentality right now and thinking like, why me, why me? Instead, when we come back, we're gonna dig more into why not me? We're gonna talk about resi resilience. We're gonna talk about like, how do you get out? Dr. Eva has this amazing six steps and you don't want to miss this because this is something that you could take and start to put in your life right now. So don't miss this. Come back and we will, uh, we will check you in, in about what? 30 seconds. We'll be back. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by my very own labor of love. My most recent book relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com.
Hey, everyone, we are back. I am talking to Dr. Eva Selhub, and we have just gone through, we're talking massive relaunches. And when they start to just come at you, where it's like, you know, we started to, to laugh about this whole, you know, I get knocked down, but I get up again. And you're like, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's just coming at you one after the next. And here's the thing. How do you actually get your head off the pillow. And as you said, Dr. Eva, it's not about, you know, why me, which is such an easy way for us to fall into. Why me? Why me? God, you know, ugh, what's happening? What am I doing to cause this? Instead, you're saying, why not me? Like, where do we go from here? How did you look within yourself and start to put together what you're calling your framework, the six, you know, pillars of this resistance. How did you even start to come up with this? Uh, well, the first thing is in that moment of, of questioning, if, if any of you have been asking yourself that question, you know, why me? Which is natural, you know, with just a human, a human as humans, we do that. Um, we wanna remember, or think about how do I view life? Do I view life as happening to me or is it happening with me? It's not even happening for me. I know a lot of people think, oh, well, it's happening for me. It's happening for a reason and all that sort of thing. That's still gonna get you into trouble. For me or to me is still thinking that life is outside of you. You are the co-creator of your life. When it's raining outside, it's raining outside. That's just a fact. How you respond to that rain is gonna change the trajectory of your life. You can either be miserable that it's raining outside because it's messed up your plans and now you have to stay in and you're gonna sulk and you know, eat a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's and then feel worse <laughs> and fat or whatever. Or you can say, it's raining outside. Oh, well, we'll change the plans. What can I do given what is? What can I do? I'm gonna put on my rake cone and go jump in the puddles. And then you meet someone else who's jumping in the puddles and you made a new best friend. And now you're gonna go create and do have a partnership and make millions of dollars together. But it wouldn't have happened had you stayed home. I love, I love how you just took it too. And then you're gonna join and you're gonna have a partnership and make millions of dollars. <laughs> All because it was raining. I mean, who would have thought? The thing is, is that you can either be closed in or you can be expansive. Mm -hmm. That's the only two states in life, physically, physiologically, energetically, whatever you want to call it, you expand and you contract. Contract. There's, there's day and there's night. There's yin and there's yang, right? Those are the contrasts that coexist in life. And life is going to happen. Stress is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you can either observe it as happening to me or it's happening with me where I co-create with it. And that's why that is, is why not me? Stop. You know, I love the whole law of polarity, right? You got the laws there. You've got that. It's not, it's not happening to me. And I like that you did take that too. Even the point of like the for me, it's not, it's with me. It's this, I'm responding. How do I respond to this situation? Right. It's being, you know, a hundred percent responsible a hundred percent of the time for what you are allowing to project out there. I think that is so good. I loved how you just explained that. And again, this isn't about liking it, right? You don't have to like it. You just accept it. I don't have to like that it's raining, but I have to deal with it and I have to accept it. And if I allow my emotions to control me and those behaviors that then go along with it, then I miss out in one way or another, or I'm just suffering. So learning how to be in the present moment, to accept reality for what it is, be emotionally intelligent, and be able to then find opportunities for growth is what then is going to allow you to really truly be resilient, which is a, took me a long time to discover. But from that moment on was when the journey of discovery began, because I said, wow, why am I behaving this way? Where does it come from? Where does my low self-worth come from? If I feel this way, other people feel this way. I want to learn. And, you know, of course, you know, one of my strong characteristics is that I love learning. I'm just a seeker of knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious. So that's really where I set off. And I sort of looked back and I said, okay, what got me through this? 
love and support. Well, of course, you know, that's what social, we're social beings. We need that. We need love and support. We need that to feel alive and to feel like we belong. A sense of belonging is, you know, innate. It's part of who we are. So, well, what else did I get from that? Well, I found purpose, the need to be connected to something greater than to drive me spiritually, to have a mission. That's what also got me out of this. Okay, what else got me out of this? Well, feeling better after I was off those medications and having a physical health. Like when I didn't have any energy, I just didn't want to live because I physically had no energy. And as my physical body got better, I was able to think more clearly. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, so that physical health is really important. Well, what else? What's the idea of looking for growth and looking for opportunity and having a clear mind and not having it all muddled? Well, mental clarity and toughness and having the willingness to just keep going. Well, that's important. So the, that mental part was important in my emotions because when my emotions, the negative ones took over, it they led to automated negative behaviors and negative assumptions. And I said, well, I need to learn more about that and how to get some emotional equilibrium. I mean, you just, okay. So I, I'm just like you, I'm a growth junkie. Like I love, I love that journey, but you've said so many great things here that I, I, I want you to, can we unpackage this where you're going through a ton. You're going through these relaunches that are just like, bam, bam, bam. And people right now, whether it is a individual relaunch you're going through, whether it's something with your family, whether it is global relaunches that we're all experiencing right now, or whether it's business relaunches, right? There's all those. There's so many things coming at you. Where do you actually, like resilience is such a big word. I mean, there, you know, you think about Velcro versus Teflon, right? You know, resilience, it's like be able to be the Teflon, be able to like, you know, let things go, but that's so much easier to say than do. So can you walk us through your process when you're working with your clients? Where do you get them to just start? Because so many of us, we just need that one starting place. Just wow. So what? So what I was, I'm giving you sort of the the realization because that's sort of those were the markings of the pillars, mm. right? The pillars of resilience. So first is just understanding what the pillars are, and and I just want to make a, a point here is I don't advocate telling people to let go mm. because a lot of what you're asking somebody to let go of is something that's actually also saved your life. Hmm. So I don't think it's appropriate to tell somebody to let go of your inner critic or let go of those thoughts because a lot of people identify and hold on to those thoughts or feelings or whatever behaviors because they literally have helped you cope and get to where you are today. So you're just like giving it up is going to be like, well, then what? So you have to replace it with something else. And you also have to be thankful for whatever it is your thought or behavior or whatever it was in your past because it helped you get here today. So the first step is to be in a place of compassion and appreciation for yourself, for your plight, for all that you've done and all that you are and that you've got here today and to understand that inherently you are already resilient, period. That's the Ooh, first everybody, I hope you all heard that. You are already resilient. You right. have this in you. Well, you're, <laughs> we- you're human and you got through the birth canal. Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> I mean, and then yeah. going through, mm. through your teen years, forget about. All right. So the fact we're that, alive, we're alive, we're resilient. Well, I mean, right. Life is hard. Is. And the fact that you're here today wanting to learn how to grow and change and mm. re that's huge. Mm. So humans are innately resilient. It's just some people are better at it than others, like a muscle, and you have the ability to cultivate that muscle. That is the greatest comment. Because so many of us think that, oh, they're just really good at it. Like they, no, they've worked on it. They've, they've taken the time and there's a process, as you said, you know, first prop, first thing you need to do is, you know, hold compassion for yourself, stop beating yourself up and appreciate you and that you have been able to get through other things in the past. And you are where you are right now because you, at some point showed resiliency. It's so great. And you can focus on what you're not, or you can focus on what you are. Hmm. right? It's post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic growth. We're not denying the trauma. And that's why I think it's important not to shame people for holding on to something. You have to, I mean, I understand why, 
you know, like things, life is difficult. And there's a lot of people, especially the past couple of years have been through a lot of trauma. The first thing is compassion. Compassion is number one. And then you can then look at these pillars and say, okay, given what is, what am I to do? What is it that's gonna enable me to be able to bounce back, given adversity better and stronger than I did before, like an athlete. They go under stress all the time. They come back better and faster, right? So it's, stress isn't the problem. It's being able to use it so it doesn't use us. Hmm. I've never heard that post-traumatic stress, right. instead post-traumatic growth. Yeah. yeah. What a different, I mean, we talk about a relaunch flip, which is, you know, changing your perspective around something. And just that there was a light, a lightening up when you said it, because, you know, I've been through and, and we've discussed, you know, there's been some really, really, really awful, sad things and that were very stressful, that were, you know, very traumatic. And just as you said that, I'm like, yeah. And I had said, I'm a growth junkie. So hearing that post-traumatic growth, it's like, you know what, Whew. you know, we talk silver linings all the time. What a fantastic way to do a relaunch flip around that. Right. So, so great. You're not saying all is well. I mean, you're not, no. you're not Far saying from it. focus on the silver lining. You're saying the silver lining is there despite mm-hmm. the, the trauma, drama, or whatever that happened. It's saying that was hard. That hurt. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was devastated. And, you know, I was talking to a, a friend who lost her brother and, you know, she's beating herself up because she, you know, felt I should be better by now. And I said, grief is grief. I said, look, when you have a, you lose something or you go through a trauma or you have, a, you know, a really hard experience, it might put a hole in your heart and just know that hole's not going anywhere. Mm. It's going to stay right there. The question is how much space it's taking up. So that hole stays the same. And the heart, if it's closed, contracted, it's going to take up a lot of room and you're going to feel victimized and miserable and you're going to suffer. But if you expand that heart with love and joy and silver linings, whatever it is, the tools that people provide for us nowadays, to the openness of love and creativity and curiosity, whatever that is, then relatively speaking, that hole takes up less room, but it's still there. It doesn't deny that the hardship happened. It just says you have a cushion to handle it. You, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, the, the, the thoughts that are associated with this. And for so many, you know, we hear like, oh, you got to be happy. You got to, you know, just start focusing on, you know, happier thoughts. And I love how you're saying sometimes you can't do that. You got to, you've got to accept the fact that it's okay it's okay to express yourself that this, it, it was sad. It, it, you're mad. You're, you know, it's okay to go there. And it sounds like what you're saying is that it is healthy to go there and to be able to look at it. And, but then it's a matter of, I like how you said, you know, it's expanding yourself. It's growing that heart. It's growing into love. It's looking for more of that to yeah. help to build that up but not necessarily say you just have to ignore, you have to move on. Yeah, I, I get that because you know I'm I'm thinking about my own my own stuff right now and love that I, I've tried to put you know my own spin on how I've been able to get through it. And you've you've done such a nice job of further expanding because I agree. These people that are telling you know them that you just you know come on you know snap out of it. You got to you know move on. It's so unhealthy to do that. You have to give yourself the space and the place to understand the relaunches that you're going through and, and grow from them and realize, you know, as you've, as you've said so eloquently here. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Compassion is really important. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, you know, I really encourage people to remember is you're not your emotions and you're not your thoughts. And that's where we run into trouble. You know, people say, I am angry. Well, you're feeling angry, right? I am, I am devastated. Well, you're feeling devastated. 
Okay, that's when your emotions exist as signals to let you know that you're off and that you're in need of something. Just like hunger tells you you're hunger, hungry, you, you need nourishment and your feeling of feeling cold is telling me you to put on something warm. So your emotions are doing the same thing and that's where we run into troubles. We identify with those thoughts and the emotions as if it is us and that's when the world closes down. But you're saying, I'm feeling angry or this is where mindfulness and self-compassion come in and self-awareness, I'm feeling these feelings and then we have the ability to say, to work with them, to examine them, to heal them, to provide ourselves with our unmet needs and, and treat ourselves with self-compassion before we know it, we're feeling whole again. Mm, so, so, so as you're saying that, this, you can't you, do that. as you're saying this, I'm thinking, you know, it's so true that you, we many times say, you know, I'm just sad. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm angry, but no, you're a human being having angry, sad, disappointing thoughts, emotions. That's what you are, but that does not define you. That's it's right. that you as a human are having those, those emotions. That's, which, right. that's how life happens with you. Not to right. you. That's so great. It really is. And it also gives us the um, compassion, as you said, the understanding to realize, you know, yeah, I am having these thoughts. I am feeling these things, but it doesn't have to define you. So right. and why? And then you can go into inquiry. And why am I having these feelings? What am I being, what is it triggering me to remember? So I think Eleanor Roosevelt said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. So if you're feeling something, it's because it exists. It's been there before. And so it's bringing up something old. And that's what your emotions do. They bring up memories. That's really how we retain memory is through our emotions. And so your emotions are bringing back something from your past, most likely your childhood when you felt the same way and your inner critics coming up and saying, I'm inadequate or not enough. And I don't like this feeling and it's making, which is why you get mad or why you get upset because whatever the circumstances, it's making you feel vulnerable and inadequate. Okay, well, why am I feeling vulnerable, vulnerable and inadequate and what can I do about it? And that's again, where the six pillars come in. I can, I can promote my physical vitality I can work on mental clarity. I can try to equalize my emotions. I can work on my relationships and improve my social connections. I can connect with spirituality and I can work on my leadership. And it's knowing that everything I do influences someone else or something else, just like a boulder and a pebble both make ripples in the water. They're different sizes, but everything makes an impact. So knowing that I am not alone that I am part of something larger and that the way I feel impacts other people and what's my responsibility. And when we focus on those things and build those things, we find ourselves no longer in that negative place. Oh, well, okay. So you've just given us again, almost like a prescription, right? You're, you're sending us home with our own prescription right now saying, you know what, everyone, you're okay we're all okay. We're going to get through this together. So as we head off for another break, I want to make sure that everyone come back after, because we're going to get into probably what I find most people right now say when I'm starting conversations, it's that I'm burned out and what can I do? And when we come back, you're going to share how you, as the doctor, give people that prescription to get through burnout or even avoid it. And when we come back, we'll give you all of those tips. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Ooh, welcome back everybody. And this is the segment that is the not to be missed. Why is that? I am talking to Dr. Eva Selhub and we're gonna be diving into burnout. All right, everyone. 
hands in the air. If right now you're feeling like, you know what? The diagnosis is, I think I'm burned out. And I know, I know even when we were on break, we're like, oh, we need to hear this. And what can we do to make sure that we don't fall into it in the first place? So Dr. Eva, welcome back. So excited to hear about this conversation. This is so good. You mentioned as we um, went off the last time into the break, you were talking about one of the things with resilience as well is leadership. And it was fascinating. I just read an article about leadership. And if you have a manager, a boss that is experiencing burnout, you are 78% more likely to want to quit and not work for that person anymore. So it becomes even more important that if you are in a leadership role, that you understand what Dr. Eva is going to be telling us today. So Dr. Eva, first, can you explain exactly what are we defining as burnout? Well, you know, it's a, actually, it's an interesting thing. I, I think I mentioned to you that I'm writing a book on burnout. It should be coming out at the end of this year. We all want to read it. It's a dummies book. So it's, you know, burnout for dummies. Um, and which is so great. I love how you do that because you know what, don't give me all of the medical, you know, legal ease and stuff. I just want to know, like, what do I need to do? Exactly. How to avoid it? What's the bottom line? Um, and so it's an interesting thing because when I really sort of researched it, just, I wanted to know what, what's the definition. It's not a, it's not a medical term. It's not a medical diagnosis, even though, you know, the experience of burnout leads to a lot of physical symptoms and people end up going to doctors and because they feel profoundly fatigued and that sort of thing. But it was actually a, a term that they, the psychological world sort of said it was related to work job, you know, work stress. And, but the truth of the matter is, is we're seeing it everywhere, especially through the pandemic and social isolation and all the unknowns that have happened in the world. So it's really, um, uh, happening everywhere. So if you feel this way, know that you're not alone. I mean, we had the massive resignation that happened. Mm. Um, the big quit, as they call it, is people were just feeling burnt out and just didn't want to be there anymore. People have been reassessing their values. Um, but so what burnout actually is, is it basically is three criteria, because I know a lot of people joke around and say, I'm burnt out, but they don't actually, you know, this guy that I work out with was like, yeah, I'm burnt out. I'm like, you're working out. And you're, we've got lots of energy. I don't think so. Um, so burnout is, you know, the experience of, you know, profound fatigue. So that's one of them, the one of the criteria. The other one is dissonance or distancing, where you just feel completely disconnected. And like I said, this is usually related to work where you're disconnected and disinterested in your job and you just don't feel impassioned or motivated. And the third one is having a very negative attitude or, you know, cynicism and that sort of thing. So you're just, you know, everything, everything sucks, if you will. Um, and so you can see how, if that is your attitude as a leader, how that's going to affect people working for you or with you. Mm. So but hold on, my, uh, my light fell down right when you were starting to do number one, was it fatigue? Fatigue. Okay. I thought I heard that, but I'm like, it started to slip and I'm like, Ooh, there it goes. Okay. So fatigue, dissonance and negative attitude. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Basically. Is there a better way that I could be capturing this? It's like it's a feeling. So imagine a person who's, who's exhausted and is starting to, and feeling completely distanced from everything. Um, you can't find passion. You can't find joy and everything. Mm. Like, again, they related to work, but you just find that you just, you just can't be motivated. You just, everything is terrible and you're just cynical about things. And yeah, you're just, you're just negative, negative and victimized. So, so this is interesting. That way, you fit into the criteria of burnout. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this is that what you're saying, you can also, because sometimes we just feel like somebody is like, oh, like that bad, you know, energy. They're very cynical. They're very like, and I've never thought about thinking, huh, I wonder if they're, you know, in burnout. I wonder if they're just fried. A lot of times that's the way I describe it. It's like, I'm, I'm fried. I just need to, you know, you just been overworked, overwhelmed and under supported. Mm. So mm -hmm. that's, 
usually the 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 it's an outcome from overworked, overwhelmed, and under under supported. Hmm. So it's either you're not being supported materially, you're not being supported emotionally, you're not being supported psychologically, and also you're not really supporting yourself in other those any of those ways either. Either because you don't have the time or whatever you put other people's needs before you and we see this in especially in caregivers so again it's not just happening at work and can happen if you're a caregiver and you're putting other needs in front of your own and then you know what are you left with so it's interesting because um so many of you know if you're overworked is there a way in your mind that you can kind of take back your own personal power with burnout, right? Because a lot of times we feel we're victimized, like, well, I'm overworked, I have to do this. Oh, I'm overwhelmed because I have a hundred things that have to get done. Or, you know, I don't have the support. Is there a way to do a relaunch flip with this and look at it in a, in a different way to take that back, to take as that first step of, you know, okay, I think I'm checking off all the boxes of burnout, but what, you know, what can I actually do to help me get through it? And they bounce back. Well, and just know that it's possible. I mean, I personally have been through it, so I know that it's possible and I've coached, gosh, I don't know many people over the past 20, 30, 25, 30 years, right. either as my patients or clients now. So again, I can tell you that it's possible. Um, I, I gave, I put out those six pillars um, because those sort of create the foundation for cultivating resilience, which is, I wouldn't even say resilience is the opposite of burnout. Resilience is sort of the way to get to flourishing. The opposite of burnout is flourishing. Right. I think of resilient, I think strong. And I think, you know, I can get through tough things. And when you think of the opposite of burnout, you think flourishing, you think of ease. So the question is, how do I get to ease? Right. How do I, uh, because everything is so difficult when you're burnt out. Every hill is a, is a mountain. Everything is exhausting. And so the first thing, very first number one thing to do is self-compassion. Number one, we go back to that one, keep going, compassion. You haven't done anything wrong to feel this way. Other people feel this way with you. And the key for self-compassion is that it involves three things. According to psychologists who've done this research and it involves three things, self-compassion. It's one, treating your friend as if you would treat a friend who's struggling or a child who's struggling. So not shooting on yourself that you should be feeling differently or whatever. The first thing is honoring that you're burnt out, that you're feeling this way or that you're close. Paying attention saying, okay, how can I help? Just like you would with a friend, right? Treating yourself as if you would treat a dear friend. So mm-hmm. having that compassion for yourself. And, and I notice you're asking questions. Asking it's questions. The question. You're asking yourself the question like, you know, hey, I'm not doing okay. Are you, right. you know? I'm not doing okay. I'm not okay. And you know what? That is okay because I'm not alone. If I'm suffering, like I said, I did this. If I'm suffering, that means someone else is suffering. If I feel this way, that means somebody else is feeling this way because this is recognizing humanity as number two. I recognize that I'm human. I recognize I can only take so much. And I recognize that whatever I'm feeling, there's somebody else that's feeling this way too. And three, is starting to develop the ability to be mindful. Is just paying attention to how I feel because as we start being mindful, being non-judgmentally aware of our experience of our inner and outer world, we can start removing ourselves from the identification of the experience to start affecting change. So, so it kind of goes back. To, it goes. It goes back to that perspective of you. I am not burned out. I'm a human existence, as you said, number, you know, number two, recognizing your humanity. And I'm experiencing these types of thoughts and emotions and it's okay. 
You're like, I'm experiencing fatigue. I'm experiencing a lack mm. of desire of wanting to be here or do things. I'm experiencing these things. So then when we start saying that I'm experiencing this, I'm not, I'm not. Because like when you are something, you, you're like stuck in this hole. You can't see outside of it. When you start stepping back, you can start seeing the bigger picture and then analyzing the situation and saying, saying, well, this I can change, this I can't, this I like, this I don't. Okay, what are my options? Okay, who can support me? How can I delegate? And it's looking at my own personality and my own tendencies. So if you have a tendency for perfectionism or if you have a tendency to be a caregiver and you have a tendency to all these things, then you have to look at that tendency and say, in what way does this tendency support me? In what way does this tendency hurt me? And what can I do about it? But if I am all these things, and it's like, really be careful of how you label yourself. I am the strong one. You know, when people say, well, that's who I am. No, who you are is a divine being having a human experience and your tendency is to do this. Oh, this is so good. And we could keep talking all day. And unfortunately, it's now time to close it out. And I want to say, you know, Dr. Eva, you are incredible. I'm going to be so excited to read the book. Um, How can people stay connected with you? Oh, gosh, so many ways nowadays, right? Um, We have all the social media feeds, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. So posting content every single day. So there's always a way to uh, find me just putting Dr. Eva Selub, you'll find me. You can go to my website, drselub.com. That's drselub.com and tons of information there, lots of blogs. And of course, there's, you can go on Amazon or any of those online bookstores and there's five books um, and a six book on the way. So the last one was resilience for dummies. So a lot of really um, good nuggets in there as well. Well, I feel like we're all so lucky to have spent this time with you. I think that you gave us like that, you know, that prescription for like being at peace with yourself when you're going through some of these massive relaunches and giving, as I heard over and over in today's conversation, compassion, 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 be compassionate. Well, again, awesome. Please go back, re-listen to this. There are so many good takeaways in terms of giving yourself the compassion that if you are experiencing burnout, that you have the ability to actually help yourself get through it. And so, so awesome. Next week, make sure you come back because I have two people joining us, Mark Cronin and his son, John. And we're going to talk about his business. We're going to talk about this amazing young man, who will tug at the heartstrings of each and every one of you. And let me tell you, I was, when I first met him, I was like tears in my eyes streaming down. So you're going to have to just, it's suspenseful. I know, but look forward to having you back here again today. We had Dr. Eva Stellhub and you can read her five books, read the next one that's coming out, get in contact with her and we will be back next week. Take care, everyone. Live now, love now, relaunch now. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review. And share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, You can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.